Father, please would you make your word live to us this morning. We want not to hear the voice of a man, but the voice of God. We ask, please, that you would speak into our lives, into our hearts, into our fears, and that your word would strengthen faith in your Son, the Lord Jesus, so that we might live for him and keep following him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, do turn back to Psalm 56 if you've closed your Bibles, because we're going to study this song together. It's on page 576. And uh, Psalm 56 is written to help us when we feel afraid. And we've already uh, had some reasons for fear suggested to us uh, by David, uh, whether it's the fear of spiders or small spaces, or whether it's the fear of maybe being alone and growing old, or just the fear of the unknown, the fear of a fresh start, making a new move somewhere. Psalm 56 will help us with fear. It describes specifically how King David responded to hostility. So it speaks directly to anyone who faces Christian persecution, being persecuted for our Christian beliefs, the threat of physical violence, which perhaps exists and is real for some in this country and many in other countries. But it also speaks to Christians who feel perhaps increasingly under pressure in this country um, uh, not to be honest about what we truly believe, uh, how to hold Christian convictions publicly. I spoke to somebody just last week who, who had prayed with someone at work and afterwards was starting just to feel a little bit afraid about how that might have been interpreted by others. If we were to go round the room, then uh, sadly, I suspect all of us will have experiences of feeling afraid due to hostility. Perhaps afraid of a bully, ridicule at school for being a Christian, or at work from our boss, or hostility in the form of a backbiting colleague, uh, or the weight of other people's opinions to do with how we live, how we parent, perhaps our career choice, or at the school gate, the gossip, the opinion of others can create fear within us. 
And of course, it could be something closer to home for many of us, for some of us, perhaps intimidated by a family uh, member or relative living with that day by day. Perhaps even the anger of someone previously considered a friend. You see, if we haven't experienced it personally, many of us will, of course, feel the burden when someone close to us is afraid. The burden of of knowing a Christian friend who is facing hostility, perhaps someone in our small group, or perhaps again a family member, a relative facing hostility, a spouse, our children. We may even feel the force of a situation as a whole church here at St. John's. Something that has the potential to make people afraid. Well, of course, there are many ways to respond to hostility. We can respond in anger. We can respond in despair. We can respond in resignation, saying, well, it just is what it is. Psalm 56, though, is a song with lyrics for us to learn to help us personally when facing hostility, but also to help one another as we stand alongside others who are facing hostility. But first, we need to understand a little bit about the introduction that comes at the start of the psalm. It's written there at the top. It uh, says, For the director of music to the tune, a dove and distant oaks of David, King David, a miktam, which nobody really knows what it means, when the Philistines, here's the occasion from which he wrote the psalm, when the Philistines had seized him in Gath. I want to just sketch out very quickly what we can understand from this. So in our Bibles, in 1 Samuel, we learn that Israel's first king was Saul, but Saul rejected God, but God didn't leave his people without a leader. He raised up a new king, King David. And behind the scenes, God sent Samuel, his prophet, to anoint David as king. Now, meanwhile, Saul and the Israelites were at war with the Philistines. And during which time, God gives young David the victory over the mighty Philistine champion, Goliath. Everyone loves King David or David. Everyone except the Philistines and King Saul, who now wants David dead. So David, the future king of God's people, has to flee from Saul and his assassins. And it's so bad that he actually tries to hide out in Philistine territory in the town of Gath, the hometown of Goliath where he hopes he will not be recognized. Not a chance. 1 Samuel 21 tells us how he comes within a whisker of being killed. 
and how he only escaped by feigning madness. I want to say at this point, this is not the answer to facing hostility, feigning madness. No matter what, Psalm 56 will help us. Now, if you are in the habit of taking notes, this is probably going to frustrate you quite a lot, because I put here a very simple outline, and I've changed my mind. It's a good outline, and I think it's definitely in Psalm 56. The problem is it's just a bit too neat. And I think it flattens the psalm a bit too much. And there's a danger that we lose the journey that David goes on. So I'm going to suggest that if you take notes, by all means put brackets around that. Don't score it out. If you're listening online, I really do have to apologize. But uh, put brackets in there, and uh, I'll give you some headings as we work through. It still basically divides into two. But in my notes, I've put for my first heading simply David's cry. Verses 1 and 2. David's cry. Be merciful to me, my God, for my enemies are in hot pursuit. All day long they press their attack. My adversaries pursue me all day long in their pride Many are attacking me. We see here how David turns to his God to seek help. He feels his need, his helplessness. The situation is beyond him. Whether it's Saul's assassins or the Philistines, today he's not feeling the champion. His enemies are not running from them. But rather, David is the one who is on the run. He is running scared. He's being pursued. Now, there's a new film out just now in the cinema, and a friend is trying to get me to go and see this. Um, I'll not mention his Well, it's John Kennedy. He, he, he's keen that I go to see The Meg, which is a giant, about a giant shark. And, and if you've seen the trailer uh, and want to see the film, and why wouldn't you, um, in the trailer you see that this shark pursuing people, and I think that probably is a big part of the plot, the shark pursues people. And it looks like the type of shark, if you've seen the trailer, who does not give up. This shark will not give up. Well, David is being pursued by people who, it seems, will not give up. One commentator translates, translates it like this, these opening verses. He says, A mere man pants after me all day long, making war, he oppresses me. He's Words describe an adversary who never gives up. The pursuit is continuous, relentless. David's cry then reminds us that the God of the Bible 
is merciful and kind. And if we're facing a hostile situation such as this, it encourages his people, David's cry, encourages God's people to do the same. To say, be merciful to me, my God. I don't deserve your kindness, but I need it. That is David's cry. And next we see David's confession in verses 3 and 4. A confession of faith. Verse 3, when I am afraid, I will trust in you, in God whose word I praise. In God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? Well, David, this is quite a turnaround. The tone of these verses is quite a jump from the tone of the first two verses, don't you think? From desperate to very bold, what can mortal man do to me? Has David just flicked a switch, the, the, the trust on switch? Or, or is this what I might describe as Braveheart bravado? If you've seen the film Braveheart, well, if you haven't, you're about to hear the most famous quote from it. Would you be willing to say to our enemies, says the Scottish king, well, he's not the king, but they treat him as the king. Would you be willing to say to our enemies, you can take our lives, but you'll never take our freedom? If I get too Scottish, you won't understand. <laughs> Are David's words just ignoring the facts? The facts of the hostility. I want us to notice that this is faith in the midst of fear. Fear is being afraid. It, it is a natural human response to the danger of the unknown. And, and David feels afraid. I think it's important for us to recognize that so that we're not discouraged because we feel fear. David says in these words, when I am afraid, I put my trust in God. And the question is, where does this trust come from? What is his faith based upon? And the answer, I think, is in the little phrase in the middle of verse 4 where he says, in God whose word I praise. I think that's the clue to where David's faith comes from. In God whose word I praise. I, th I think it tells us two things. I think it tells us, first of all, that his faith is based upon God's word. He can trust God only because he believes God has spoken. You see, we can't put our trust in a God who doesn't speak. What is it like trying to trust someone who doesn't say anything to you? 
David puts his trust in the God who speaks. It is one of the central claims of the Bible that God speaks. And he speaks so that we can know him through his words. It is in his words that he tells us about himself, that he reveals his character, his plans, and his promises. David's faith is based on God's words. But it also tells us this little phrase, something about David's attitude to God's word. He sees it as praiseworthy. He esteems it. He delights in it. He loves God's word. You see, what we need to take, I think, from David's phrase here is that in hostility, we will want to cry out to God, but we also need to listen to what God is saying in his word. And we do that by reading his word. And sometimes in the midst of fear, that is so hard to do, and it gets missed. But we need to open the Bible uh, to hear what God is saying to us. And that is something we need to ask for God's help with, to grow in us a love for his word so that that is where we will turn to in hostility. That is what leads to David's confession in verses 3 and 4. But verses 5 and 6 underline that that this is really hard. He is having to trust God in the midst of a battle. Verse, verse 5, all day long they twist my words. They are always plotting to harm me. They conspire, they lurk, they watch my steps, eager to take my life. All day long he feels it. There's a persistence in evil. So as a hostile situation continues, it can leave us with doubts and questions, perhaps wondering, will God answer my cry? My cry for mercy? Or asking, am I right to trust God? Or asking, is God actually for me? And so we need the second half of the psalm, because in it we hear David's confidence. We hear what David's confidence is. Verses 7 to 9. Because of their wickedness, do not let them escape in your anger. God, bring the nations down, record my misery, list my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? 
Then my enemies will turn back when I call for help. By this I will know that God is for me. These words have a tone of confidence. Verse 7, David remains confident, confident in God's judgment, confident that the wicked will not escape God's judgment. Persecuted Christians need to know this truth. Any of us facing hostility, unjust suffering, need to know that God promises a day of justice. But that's not all. Verse 8, David remains confident of God's tenderness. When we cry, God's people need to know that he sees every tear his people shed from the moment it rolls over the eyelid. Our misery is recorded. Our tears are noted by God. Isn't that marvelous? In our second reading, Jesus said to his followers, the hairs of your head are numbered. I personally find that hugely encouraging. Miraculous. And we're worth more than the sparrows. David remains confident of God's tenderness. As he waits for deliverance, he remains confident of God's judgment and his tenderness. And we can do the same. Verse 9 shows us that David is still calling for help. It hasn't come yet. God's intervention will be the sign that brings him assurance. By this I will know that God is for me. And then David repeats his confession in verses 10 and 11. As he waits, he comes back to God's word. God's word tells him that his God saves He's the saving God, the Lord. That's David's confidence. And so we arrive at verses 12 and 13. And I've simply put David's conclusion. Verse 12. I am under vows to you, my God, I will present my 
thank offerings to you, for you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. You see, the trial has now passed and David has been delivered and he wants to express thanks to his God. David's conclusion is this, that God has saved him so that he would walk in his company. Can you see that in verse 13? That I may... Let me read the whole verse. For you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. David concludes that God has saved him for fellowship. And the only way that can be ours today is through Jesus. That's who King David points us to this morning. You see, Jesus is God's anointed king. Jesus was the anointed king who was rejected. He was not recognized. He faced enmity, enmity, hostility, unjust suffering, scheming, plotting to take his life. And it's only through his death and resurrection that someone can enter into fellowship with God. That is what Jesus promises. Hear the words of Jesus. He says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. What that means is that if we are following Jesus, we have forgiveness, our sins forgiven, and we have new life with God now. And that is to transform everything. It doesn't mean that we won't feel afraid in this world, but when we feel afraid and ask, is God for us? Is God for us? Then the Christian looks at the cross and he knows that God is for him or her. You see, it's on the cross that Jesus delivered his people from their greatest enemy. And so the Christian really has nothing to fear. Let's pray. When I am afraid, I will trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. 
Father, please, would you help us to hear your voice? And in the midst of whatever we are facing, please, would your word strengthen us so that we might trust you, so that we might live for you, so that we might continue to follow Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.